Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. God, we don't take for granted. We're so grateful that you grace us, Lord, with your presence, God, and that you lavish your love upon us and that, that you encourage us and you speak to us. That you receive our worship to you, Lord, and that you've been enthroned on the praises of your people today. And God, we know you want to continue to encourage us through the proclamation of your word. And I pray for each one of us that we would have ears to hear what your spirit would say on this day. And God, that our faith would indeed increase, God. Faith comes by hearing the word. And I pray from hearing the word today that faith would increase in the heart of every person in this sanctuary today, in the heart of everyone listening to this podcast, that faith would increase. God, that we would be those who make a difference in our generation because we walk not by sight but by faith. And we thank you in Yeshua's name. We are going through heroes of faith. We are not looking at every hero of faith in the scriptures. That would take us a long time. Uh, But we are selecting a few that don't normally get covered in a message and focusing on them. And today's hero is Gidon, in English called Gideon. And the title of the message is Faith That Turned Weakness Into Strength. Faith That Turned Weakness Into Strength. I start with a passage from the book of Messianic Jews, Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 32 through uh, 34. What more should I say? There isn't time to tell about Gidon, Barak, Shimshon, Yiftach, David, Shmuel, and the prophets, who through trusting or through faith conquered kingdoms, worked righteousness, received what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, had their weakness turned to strength, and grew mighty in battle and routed foreign armies. This passage in the New Covenant gives us details of the men of faith that Gidon and the others listed here with him were. We read the story of Gidon in the book of Shoftim, Judges, chapter 6 through 8. And as we go through this message this morning, I'm going to read selected passages from those three chapters. But I encourage you, as you go home and during this week, to read those three chapters and to hear the whole story of Gidon. I think the greatest thing that we can learn from the life of Gidon is that his faith was able to turn weakness into strength. The last part of the passage there in the book of Messianic Jews. And as he turned his weakness into strength, he grew mighty in battle and routed foreign armies, particularly the army of Midian. Now, when we first encounter Gideon, he does not come across as a man of faith. He sounds like he doubts God's ability to deliver Israel from the Midianites. He does not consider himself a mighty man of valor, valor, and he seeks confirmation over and over again from Adonai about the mission that's being assigned to him. Yet he is listed in this hall of fame of faith here in Hebrews 11. And I believe that his story will help each of us activate our faith so that we, like Gidon, can turn our weaknesses because we all have weaknesses. 
Okay, if you think you don't, you do, all right? <laughs> and so do I. But we can turn those weaknesses into strength, and in doing so, we, like you don't, will be able to rout the enemy from our lives personally, from our families, and from our community. There is an enemy of our soul. And again, just this dovetails with what uh, my husband and I were sharing last night, you know, at this congregation, and uh, how the enemy has a stronghold. And that's why the song, he, you know, every stronghold must come down because the enemy wants to try to grab hold of your life and my life, of your loved one and my love and he loved ones, and he wants to hang on to them. But by faith, we can rout the enemy. Do you understand that? By faith, you can rout the enemy out of your life and out of the life of your loved ones. So let's look at Gidon today and how he turned his weakness into strength and ask God to activate, help us to activate our faith so that we can do the same. The first thing we see about Gidon is that his faith overcame his poor self-image so that he finally saw himself as God did. This was Adonai's first words to Gidon. You valiant hero, Adonai is with you. O mighty man of valor, some translations say. Gidon's initial response, forgive me, Lord, but with what am I to save Israel? Why, my family is the poorest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest person in my family's house. When Gidon looked at himself, he didn't see a valiant hero. He didn't see a mighty man of valor. And he justified his perception of himself by describing why he felt he was not the person that Adonai was looking to do the job. I'm too poor and I'm too young. You've got the wrong person. He did not see himself at that moment as God did. Often we have this same weakness of seeing ourselves less than God does. Why does this happen? Sometimes it is because of the things that have been spoken over us by others. We were speaking about this with our children a few weeks ago, about the power of life and death uh, in our tongues. And my husband talked about something that was spoken over me as a, as a teenager that to this day affects me, and that's that I can't sing, right? And, you know, I make the joke, I'm the joyful noise section, but the reality is, as a teenager, and I have a sister who sings beautiful, and she was part of a group in the congregation and everything, but as a teenager, whenever I would hear a song and I'd come to the youth group and as a young adult, oh, there's a new song I want to teach to you. Right, have your sister t- teach it to us. You can't sing right? And so to this day, that impacts my image of myself in terms of singing. It really impacted me a lot. I overcame it to the point that, you know, because I used to not even sing in service and worship. I was afraid to sing because I was told I couldn't sing, right? But God broke that off me so that if you stand beside me, or if you're downstairs with me and the children, I have no problem singing with the children, you know, because you know, they, they don't have the same, you know, uh, judgment. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for the giving, right? 
And But if you stand beside me, you're going to hear me sing because God really did help me break through that because I used to not even really be able to worship because I was so self-conscious. And so because of those words spoken over me, that hindered me in the area of worship for many, many years until I broke through that perception of myself because I'm a worshiper. I love to worship God. So that if you're beside me, you're going to hear me singing and worshiping, you know, I have a very limited range. I mean, I know enough musically. I play a little bit on the piano, and I've took, you know, classes in, in the college and things like this. I know my problem is that I have a very limited range. And so when my husband goes a little higher, <laughs> uh, I try to catch Myrna because uh, she's uh, an alto, and if I can catch her and, uh, and go along with her, I'm good. Otherwise, I could be sort of all over the place. But words are powerful. So sometimes we don't see ourselves as God does because people have said things over us, right? And those things, you know, uh, attach themselves to us. Again, there's power of life and death in the words we speak. That's why be careful what you speak over yourself, over your children, over one another. In our household, when somebody says something negative, even over themselves, immediately break the power of those words. Don't say that. Because we understand the power of life and death. Because those words make us think of ourselves less than God does. So words others have spoken over ourselves, words that we speak over ourselves, or even the lies of hell. The enemy is always sitting on our shoulders, speaking to us, whispering these things, you know. Gidon, who are you to lead Israel to victory? You're not as great as Abraham, our forefather, or Moses, or Joshua. You think you're going to lead Israel to victory against the Midianites? And the enemy will speak to us. Who are you to make a difference in this generation? You're going to rise up in faith to heal the sick? To cast out the demons? To heal the lepers, raise the dead? Who are you? And he whispers those things. And we begin to believe the lies of hell, the things that have spoken over us by others and even by ourselves. And what happens is we end up disqualifying ourselves because we perceive ourselves as weak and incapable. Why would Adonai use me to make a difference in this generation? We know ourselves too well. We see our weaknesses, and that causes us to shrink back. I want to tell you, God knew exactly who Gidon was. He knew his social status. He knew his family background. And these things did not deter Adonai from choosing him to lead Israel in victory against the Midianites. And in the same way, God sees each one of us here this morning and those who are listening to the podcast. And he knows every intimate detail of our lives. He knows our thoughts our behaviors, our lack of abilities like nobody else knows. He knows every reason in our hearts that we disqualify ourselves from being the man or woman of faith to make a difference in this generation. God is looking. It says in Chronicles that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro across the land looking for someone someone who would be wholly committed to him. 
Because when someone is wholly committed to him, God has a person he can use in a powerful way. This generation that we live in, we live in a dark time. There is a lot in our world that could discourage us. But where darkness and sin abounds, the grace of God is greater. And God is looking for men and women and young people who will rise up and say, God, I will be that valiant hero to make a difference in my generation, to break the strongholds off the young people in my life, over my family, over my co-workers, over my community, over the Jewish people that we have been called to minister to. God, I will be that valiant hero. God is calling each one of us to rise above our self-perception to become the valiant hero that he sees. A hero that can activate his or her faith to move mountains and to defeat the enemy. So how do we activate our faith? I already quoted this scripture uh, when I was giving that exhortation before the message, and this is a scripture you will probably hear a lot during this series. Romans 8, 7 says, Faith comes by what? Hearing, hearing the word of God. Let's say it together. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So I want you to hear the word of God, what he says about you and me. How does God see us? First of all, God sees you as the head and not the tail. Okay? Let's say that together. I am the head and not the tail. I am a giant slayer. Together? I am a giant slayer. I am God's friend. I am a super conqueror. I am an overcomer. I am victorious. I am holy. I am his daughter or son. I am royalty. I am valuable to him. That's what God's word says about us. And that's just a few that I picked out. There are so many more that you can look about who we are, our identity in Messiah and in God. And we need to saturate our minds with these truths. So God was challenging Gidon's self-perception. And he challenged it by saying, this is who I see you as. And we need to allow that weakness to be turned into strength today in our life. That we cast off the wrong image we have of ourselves and grab hold of the image that God has of who he says that we are. We have to activate our faith. When Gidon's faith changed his self-image, he walked in a new authority. See, some of you don't walk in the authority that has been given to you. As I said earlier, there is nothing else Yeshua can do. What more can he do? He died and was rose from the dead. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. There's not anything else he can do. So he's looking for us to rise up as men and women of faith and to walk in the authority, he says, All authority I have given you, 
under heaven and earth, right? In Luke, he tells that to his Talmudim, to his disciples. That's the same authority we have. But we don't walk in that authority, and we don't use that authority because we don't see ourselves as super conquerors, as overcomers, because we have listened to the lies of our enemy, and we have listened to the lies of others, and we have even spoken death over ourselves. And today, God wants that to stop, and he wants you to rise up as mighty men and women of value, valor and value to make a difference in your generation. The second thing about Gideon's faith is it allowed him to turn from his own strength to God's mighty power. On the one hand, Gideon was right that he was too weak in and of himself to bring about the change or deliverance for his fellow countrymen. However, when he allowed his faith to, to see that God was his strength and the one who would work in and through him, it allowed him to rise up to lead his people to victory. We see this as God begins to shrink the size of Gideon's army. Gideon rallied the troops of Israel, and many responded. In fact, the scriptures tell us there were 32,000 men. But listen to what God does here in Judges, Shoftim, chapter 7, verses 2 through 7. Adonai said to Gideon, There are too many people with you for me to hand Midian over to them. Because I don't want Israel to be able to boast against me, we saved ourselves by our own strength. Therefore, proclaim to the people, anyone who is anxious or afraid should go back home while we stay here on Mount Gilad. (coughs) 22,000 return. Wow. Wow. Over half. But 10,000 remained. Adonai said to Gidon, there are still too many. Have them come down to the water, and there I will screen them for you. If I say of anyone, this one is for you, he will go with you. And if I say this one is not for you, he won't go with you. So he brought the people down to the water, and Adonai said to Gidon, put to one side everyone who laps up water with his tongue the way a dog does. And put to the other side everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. Three hundred lapped, putting their hand to their mouth. All the rest of the men got down on their knees to drink water. Adonai said to Gidon, I will use the three hundred men who lapped the water to save you. I will hand Midian over to you. Let all the others go back home. What a lesson for Gidon to, to learn. Again, activating his faith to change weakness to strength. See, sometimes we can get so focused on what we see in the natural. Gideon Gideon must have been pretty impressed that 32,000 men showed up to go to battle with him. But God didn't need 32,000 men. Adonai wanted Gideon and Israel to know that the battle belonged to him. You see, we need to understand it's not our superior plans that will bring change or deliverance to our situation. And so when God calls us, and he said, all right, mighty men of valor, I'm going to lead you, use you to lead Israel to victory. And when Gideon called the troops to come with him, I'm sure he was excited. Like I said, wow, 32,000 men, this is going to help me fight the army of Midian. Sometimes we 
get so focused on what we can do in the natural to make things happen. But I want to tell you, true deliverance and true freedom doesn't come through natural means. We are good at manipulating people. Okay? Some of you are, are experts at it. Just saying. At manipulating people and situations to get what you think you need to bring deliverance and freedom into your situation. And you know what? It works for a moment. But it's not true freedom. It's not true deliverance, and it doesn't last. And that's why we need to allow our faith to exchange our strength for his strength. Because his strength will bring a freedom that will last forever. Second Chronicles 10.15. God says, listen, Yehuda, you who live in Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, here's what Adonai is saying. Don't be afraid or distressed by this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Gidon needed to know that the battle belonged to the Lord. You and I need to know that the battle belongs to the Lord. Now, Gideon still had to go out and face the Midianites, and you and I are still going to have to face the enemy, and we're going to have to fight. But it's not in our own strength, but it's in the strength and knowledge that it is God Almighty who's going to win the battle. And I want to tell you, we have a better chance that way. Okay? All of our strength mustered together is not as great as God's strength by himself. So God is calling us to exchange our strength for his strength. The psalmist says, some boast in chariots and some in horses. But we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood upright. The name of the Lord brought deliverance. Rav Shaul says in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven, Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. We need to allow God to be the strength of our life and the one that enables us to conquer the enemies and pull the strongholds down in our life. Adonai promises that when we are weak, he is strong in us. Let us allow our faith to turn our weakness into strength, to turn from relying upon ourselves to relying on Adonai in our situation. Mishlei, Proverbs 3, many of us can quote this, says, Trust in Adonai with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. This is what we do. Because we think our finite minds are so brilliant. Right? So Gideon could have responded, God, 32,000 is better than 300. Just saying. That's how the finite mind works. That's how my mind would have worked. Seeing your 20,000 go, and now I have 10,000. Okay, well, it's not quite, you know, 32, but 10,000 I can work with, and God say, mm, no, that's, that's, not, that's not what I'm going to do. Doesn't make sense to the natural mind, does it? But we can't have to trust in God and not lean on our own understanding. Because our own understanding of the situation will not bring what we are looking for, which is total release and deliverance from the enemy of our soul. Also, God often uses the most unusual 
or least qualified person so that people will know it is his hand that works deliverance. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29 says, But God chose what the world considers nonsense in order to shame the wise. God chose what the world considers weak in order to shame the strong. And God chose what the world looks down on as common or regards as nothing in order to bring to nothing what the world considers important so that no one should boast before God. And isn't that what God said to Gidon? No man is going to boast that this battle is theirs. I'm going to use 300 of you in a very unique way. And victory is going to come. Listen to God. Use his strength instead of yours. Which leads us to the next point about Gideon's faith. It enabled him to receive God's promise of victory. As I said, you know, Gideon was struggling and wrestling with what God was saying to him. So God wanted to assure Gideon that victory was coming his way. So he sent Gideon down at nighttime to the camp of the Midianites. And we pick up the story here in chapter 7, verse 13 through 15. Gideon got there just as a man was telling a comrade, these are the Midianites talking, about the dream he had. I just now dreamt that a loaf of barley bread fell into the cap of Midian, came to the tent, and struck it so hard that it overturned the tent and knocked it flat. His comrade answered, This can only be the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given Midian and all its army into his hands. When Gideon heard this dream and its interpretations, interpretation, he fell on his knees in worship. God gave him a promise of victory through this dream. God wants you to receive his promise of victory and breakthrough for your life. This message could be the very thing that God is using to encourage you that his promises are for you and for your life. He may give you a dream. He may give you a a vision as well. But the problem is that often in our weakness, we refuse to receive the promise of God that he is making. Why? Because Again, it could be because of our self-perception that we talked about. It could be because we're sometimes overwhelmed by our circumstances. In other words, we just don't see a way out of deliverance of what we are facing in our lives. Think about it. Gidon could have been distressed by what he saw in the natural with his eyes. Shof Team 810 tells us that there were 135,000 men in the army of the Midianites. So now that God has whittled it down to 300, and he sees this vast army of 135,000, again, 32,000 had a better chance than 300 in the natural. So God has Gidon hear this dream. So Gidon could know, Gidon could know I'm going to bring deliverance, Gidon, and I'm going to use you. Hear the promises of God. Hear this message today. God is speaking to each one of you about the situation and circumstances you are facing. And he wants you to know that his promises are for you. And to grab hold of those promises, just like he wanted Gidon to grab hold of the truth and the promise of victory. Don't look at your own abilities, because when you do, you say, there's no way I can do anything. As I said, victory never comes through our own hands, but through God. 
When we truly change our mindset and when we and change our mindset, we are more easily able to receive the promise that God is making to us. Another reason why we don't receive the promises of God is, unfortunately, we don't read the Word of God. The promises are contained in the Bible. Every situation you and I will ever, ever, ever face, God says something about it in the Bible. Oh, Rabbi Carroll, you know, he does not. Yes, he does. But if you never read the Word, how are you going to know the promises that God has made? Just, just a saying. Because God has promised victory in every area of our lives. Kephabet, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. God's power has given us everything. Say everything. What has he given us? Everything we need. I, I, I say la moment. Just think about that. God has given us everything we need. Now, some of you are out, sitting out there saying, no, no, no. There's some things I, I, I need that he's not giving me. Not true. Not true. This verse says he has given us everything we need. It may not yet be manifested in your life. You may need to activate your faith to, to believe and to receive. But this word says God has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowing the one who called us to his own glory and goodness and by these he has given us valuable and superlatively great. Try that word. Superlatively great promises. David Stern uses some interesting words <laughs> in his translation. These are the promises that God has given us. They are good and they are great promises. He promised to heal us. He promised to meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory. He promised to restore our relationships. He promised to bring salvation to our household. He promised to direct our paths. He promised that he would always be with us. He promised that no weapon formed against us would prosper. And it is time that we take hold of the promises of God in our lives. Second Corinthians 1.20 says, For however many promises God has made, they all find their yes in connection with the Messiah. That is why through him we say the amen when we give glory to God. Again, it is finished, he said. It is done. Every promise is fulfilled through Messiah. And we have to activate our faith to see them realized in our lives. Number four. His faith enabled him to receive God's plan for the situation. It wasn't enough to know that God was his strength. He had to know exactly what God wanted him to do. Now, we don't know how Gidon knew what Adonai want, but his instructions to the men of Israel were very specific, and as I said earlier, odd to say the least. So this was not a battle plan he came up with on his own. Because nobody would come up with this plan to defeat 135,000 men. Just like marching around the walls of Jericho seven days. They are not great military plans, just saying. Now, I, I, know, I know I'm not a military person. You know, Gary was in the Air Force. He knows a little bit about military things, as maybe some of the others here in the congregation might. 
but I know enough to know that walking around the wall is not a good military strategy. To blow a shofar and have a pitcher with a light in it and to break it and shout doesn't sound like a great military plan. But this is the plan that God gave Gidon to use. So we have promises that God gives us. We have to activate our faith, and we have to ask God what he wants us to do to receive that promise in our life. As I said, Gidon had to face Midian. But the way he faced Midian was a very specific way that God told him. God will tell you specific things to do to receive the promise in your life. Let's read the story here, continuing in chapter 7, verses 16 through 22. He divided the 300 men into three companies. He put in the hands of all of them shofars and empty pitchers with torches in them. Then he said to them, watch me and do what I do. When I get to the edge of the camp, whatever I do, you do the same. Okay. Again, I'm just thinking about this from a person who likes to be organized. You know, if you're going to tell me to wait to see what you're going to do, and I don't know what you're going to do, and my life depends on it, and I'm only one of 300 and I'm facing 135,000 people, I might be a little concerned Just saying to me, myself, right? So not only does he have this odd plan, but nobody else knows what this plan is yet. So he says to these 300 men, you go to the edge of camp, you wait, and you see what I do. And whatever I do, then you do the same thing. So when I and everyone with me blow the shofar, you blow your shofars all around the whole camp and shout for Adonai and for Gidon. So Gidon and the hundred men with him arrived at the edge of the camp a little before midnight, just after they had changed the guard. They blew the shofars and broke in pieces the pitchers that were in their hands. All three companies blew the shofars, broke the pitchers, and held the torches in their left hands, keeping their right hands free for the shofars they were blowing. And they shouted, the sword for Adonai and for Gidon. Then as every man stood still in place around the camp, because the battle belongs to the Lord. Every man, the 300 men, stood still in place around the camp. The whole camp was thrown into panic, with everyone screaming and trying to escape. Gidon's men blew their 300 shofars, and Adonai caused everyone in the camp to attack his comrades, and the enemy fled beyond Bet Shita near Tse'era, as far as the border of Avil, Mechola, by Tavach. And they routed the army of Midian that day. You see, God doesn't always move the way we think he should. We have studied this principle in the past. Think of David and his slingshot. In Yeshiahu, Isaiah 55, Adonai tells us that his ways are not our ways, neither are his thoughts or plans our plans. Once again, I don't think it would have been Gideon's natural choice to use 300 men to fight an army of 135,000. And I don't think his strategy would have been, let's just blow shofars and crack this pitcher that we have this torch in and just stand there and wait to see what happens. This would be a great movie. We have to pull the, the DVD 
or whatever it's going to be up in heaven at that point. We don't even use DVDs anymore. The, the streaming of that, that event, right? And to watch it, it had to be amazing. So it wouldn't have been what he chose, but it was the exact strategy that Adonai wanted to use that day to bring victory. So we need to know who we are in Messiah. We need to exchange our strength for his strength. We need to grab hold of the promises of God, but then we need to hear his strategy and plan for how we're going to receive those things into our life. And the last thing this morning is his faith enabled him to turn from shrinking in fear to engaging the enemy. When God first met, came to Gidon, he was threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, again, we don't live in an agricultural society, but I want to tell you that's not the normal place to thresh wheat. Okay? He was threshing wheat there because it was a small, closed area, and it hid him from the enemy. Threshing wheat usually took place in a large, open space. He was here because he was fearful of his life. And as you read through chapter 6, you'll get this sense of, of that. But now that he has heard God's perspective of who he, had, who he was, and now he's assured of God's strength, that he would see him through, and received a revelation of God's promise, and had the plan and strategy, it still was not enough. He now had to act on what God told him to do. He had to step out in faith to engage the enemy that was harassing and oppressing him and his people. And that is exactly what he did as we just read. And when we read through the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews 11, we see this one common denominator in all these people listed is that they acted on their faith. Look with me at some of these. By faith, Hevel offered, say offered, a greater sacrifice. That was his action. By faith, Noah built an ark. Say built an ark. By faith, Abraham left his country and family. Right? Left his country and family. By faith, Abraham offered his son. Offered his son. By faith, Moshe's parents hid him. By faith, Moshe left Egypt. By faith, the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea. By faith, the children of Israel marched around Jericho. Jericho. You see, every single one of them acted upon their faith. Faith is not faith if we don't act upon it. It's just wishful thinking. Throughout the history of mankind, when we look at people who walked in great faith, we see this same common denominator, that they acted on the promises of God. It's common for people to think that faith means we just sit around and wait for something to happen. I'm believing God, so I'm just sitting here waiting, believing God. That's not what faith is. True faith acts on the promise of God, not in presumption, okay? Because think about the, uh, the spies, remember? In Bamid Bar, when they went up and they came back and ten brought the evil report, two brought the good report, sent the whole camp in uproar, and, and they decided they, that God wasn't great enough, and they were rebuked, etc., And then, okay, well, now let's go up. And Moses said, no, 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 you can't go. Oh, yeah, we're going to go up now. And they went up, and what happened? They got defeated. Because they weren't going up in faith. 
They were presumptuous. So we have to act on our faith, but not in our flesh and not in presumption. That's why we need to know God's plan and God's strategy for how he wants us to receive the promise in our life. One definition of faith that I was reading in the article says, faith is simply acting like the Bible is true. Let's say that. Faith is simply acting like the Bible is true. So if we were to show a video of your life this past week, what would your actions and my actions show people? Would it show others that I believe the Bible is true? Because what you and I really believe will be seen in what we do. This article went on to say, true faith always acts in line with what it believes. True faith never acts contrary to its belief. And true faith is always accompanied by corresponding action. See, many people say that they believe the word of God, but when it comes down to it, their actions reveal they are not completely convinced that God's word is true. That's where the rubber meets the road, friends. Do you believe God's promise for your life? Then you're going to act like it. And you're going to step out in faith in whatever way God tells you to. And again, it's never going to be the same. God never, ever used this strategy against an army ever again or before for ancient Israel. That was the only time he had them have a a picture with a torch in it and blow the shofars. Shofars were often blown, but in this combination, that's the only time. Marching around the wall seven times only happened once that we read about at Jericho. You see, each time God promised victory, but his plan was different. So we have to have faith in God, and we have to step out in faith in whatever way God directs us and not be presumptuous that what he had us do 10 years ago in a similar situation is going to be what he has us do today because it may not be. Gideon's faith turned his weakness into a strength that enabled him to engage and defeat the enemy. You and I need our faith to act, which includes fighting the enemy of our soul. And you've heard us say it before, Hasatan has one purpose, and that's to kill, steal, and destroy the promises and life of God from you and your family. And if you won't engage him, who will? Who's going to engage him? You have to engage the enemy. That's acting on your faith. I want to read that last verse from Hebrews 11 as we close here. Because this is who Gideon was. And this is who God is calling you and me to be today. He had his weakness turned to strength. And he grew mighty in battle and routed foreign armies. God wants you and I to turn our weakness into strength so that we can rout the enemy of our soul and walk in the victory and the promises that he has given to us. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. There is no power of darkness that can overcome you and rob you of the promises of God unless you abdicate your authority and you do nothing. 
But God is calling us to rise up as men and women of faith, to turn our weaknesses into strength, because there is a world around us that needs to be changed and impacted for the kingdom of God. Your personal life, I don't know about you, but I have areas in my life that need breakthrough. All right? And so my family is making a choice to stand in faith and do things that we haven't done in a long time because we are wanting to see the breakthrough and release and the promises of God fulfilled, not just for us, but for you. We are praying for you and believing for you, and not just for you in this congregation, but for the community around us, for the Jewish people of this metropolitan area, because we believe that the promises that God has spoken to us personally and to this congregation are yes and amen in Messiah Yeshua, but we know we have to increase our faith and activate our faith to see those promises realized. So let us rise up as men and women who turn our weaknesses into strength so that we could rout the enemy from our personal lives and the lives of our loved ones and our community. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Hashem, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I pray for change to come in my life and in the life of everyone who has heard this word. God, we wouldn't simply hear it and it goes in one ear and out the other. But God, from this word being spoken, we would receive it, uh, take it to heart, and live it out, God. Father, we cry out, we believe, help our unbelief, help our faith to increase. Lord, that we could be those history makers in this generation that will be carriers of your glory to a lost and dying world that would see transformation and change take place, that would manifest your presence, that people's lives would be changed as they come to encounter you, the living God. And we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. We thank you for joining us again today. Uh, My husband is already at the back. I'm going to join him there after I uh, speak the Aaronic benediction. Uh, We have prayer at 2 o'clock. Encourage you, an hour prayer. It's just powerful. Come and join us. 3 to 4 for those who are in their Hebrew class. And uh, again, check the uh, quarterly schedule for all the events coming up in the next week or so. Just put the plug in because this is my area. Youth, we have pizza night next week. No more matzah, pizza, we're going to have. <laughs> so this is how you are to bless the children of Israel. You are to say to them, May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. May you walk in the peace of God Almighty. And may you rise up as a man and woman of great, great faith. Amen.